So, you're at OT today. Uh, what did you make of United's performance and maybe some of the new boys? Well, I thought it was okay. I think that let's start with the positives. <laughs> In an unconventional move, I'm going to start with the positives. I thought that we were extremely well organised defensively for 80 minutes of that game. I thought that Matteo Damian was superb and I think that Schneiderlin, he made a couple of small mistakes, but he did a lot of really good work and uh, his cover when Daly Blint went upfield, just the whole defensive unit looked really well organised to me. And that's a huge leap forward from this time last season, of course. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. I thought United's three best players were Smalling, Damian and Shaw. Uh, and, and I suppose they might say something a little bit. It might say a little bit about the game as well that the three United's best players were defenders. Uh, but I, th- I thought you're right. As a unit, it worked. Uh, Blint, a couple of early nervous moments. Um, Carrie Kane sat on him from five seconds into the game, which I said on the pod last week. It's it's really obvious tactic. Yeah. But actually, he did all right. Blint and Spurs were unable to get the ball up to Kane, and I rather thought they'd go a bit more direct, and they they didn't do that. It's not Pochettino's way, I guess. But uh, that would have uh, had some effect, I would think. So he, he grew into the game. The other three, excellent throughout. Schneiderlin, yeah, defensively, did really well. A whole bunch of tackles and interceptions. So his numbers are really good. Just a little bit hesitant on the ball. Um, and I suppose that, that could be said for a lot of United's players today. Not great in possession, Van Hal pointed it out after the game. And I, I guess that's it, really. You know, it was a, a solid performance from United. Just about scraped through it, despite that panicky last five minutes. Very, very lucky with the chance that Ericsson had. Um, but just enough, just. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a big win. You know, it's a big win to get things off to a good start against a relatively tough, tough opposition. Although Spurs should be very disappointed with themselves that they couldn't take more advantage of United, I think. You mentioned Kane on Blint. It was hilarious. It was like Harry Kane was man-marking Daily Blint. I was kind of looked over a few times that like he's just standing right next to him. And it's definitely not Blint following Kane. Definitely the other way around. Um, a very obvious decision to target him. I thought that, that in terms of the attacking play, the goal came as a result of a really nice move. And then there was one or two decent other moments Certainly, the Spurs keeper didn't have to make a ton of saves. Uh, Mata was good on the ball. There was one absolutely fantastic moment where it looked like he beat two or three players and then drilled a crossfield ball at the speed of light directly to Ashley Young's left foot, which was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. So, some decent attacking play. I mean, it was the 65th minute before United got a shot on target. Wow. Which which tells you something, right? So, yeah. I mean, and the thing is about that, I mean, possessions even between the two sides, but United played twice as many balls in the final third, right? So United had the ball in really good positions, but didn't quite make enough of it. And it kind of shows in in some of the, the key attacking players, you know, Young created one chance in the game, didn't beat a man all game. I mean, literally didn't, not one successful take on. Rooney had a very quiet game. Massa just very deep and, and I'm not sure that helped him, you know, he just unable to get into some of the key points. So although United had a lot of possession in the right area of the field, just didn't create that many chances today. And maybe it'll click in time. And I, I, I guess um, it's, you know, it's sort of a new unit with, Memphis there in the middle, and, and Memphis, Memphis is his biggest problem is that he he takes too much time on the ball, and it's just a just a bit of lack of experience that one, 
Uh, and I think um, throughout the season, I'm sure Van Gaal will, get, will, will uh, press him to do this, but he will move the ball quicker and, and United will be much better as an attacking unit when he does that and everyone's kind of sinking together. Van Gaal said in the press conference afterwards, he was asked about the new boys and he told them before the game, don't try too hard, don't use too much passion, also use your brain. And he said he was talking to the new boys, but essentially that was pretty much a message for Memphis, I think. It was a, don't try too hard, he's going to be super keen to impress, he's just that type of player. There were a couple of moments where you think, oh, he's a player. You know, there is a there is one heck of a player in Memphis. The little period just before the goal and just after the goal, about 20 minutes in total probably, which was United's best spell. Memphis was really important in that. A couple of smart bits of interplay with Mata and Rooney. Rooney, I think, it. you know, this show has a bit of a reputation for Rooney hammering. And I don't think he particularly warrants hammering after that game. Just in that, that just looked like an undercooked early season Rooney performance. I was surprised that Van Gaal kept him on for 90 minutes. That looked like a bit of an error, really. I, I, I would have been very interested to see Chicharito given a 20 minute run out at the end of that game. Stretch a few tired legs at the back and all that stuff. Generally, generally the fitness was definitely undercooked by that short preseason. But well, yeah, considering yeah. we won this game, that's probably a risk worth taking. Given that we're not kind of hit by an injury crisis, although Phil Jones has got injured. Although, is that an injury crisis or a blessing in disguise situation at the moment? Well, yeah. I mean, you wonder how he manages to get out of bed without getting injured. Well, apparently he didn't. Small, small blood clot he's got, uh, or some other 18th century disease. He had shin, shin how, how splints. In, was it last season or Jingles. the boys' speech? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, look up a dictionary of weird tropical diseases, and, and I'm sure Jones has had one or two of them. Uh, it's just that the man doesn't ever stop getting injured. Anyway, right, that's an aside. Rooney you talked about, yeah. Look, there's no real need to bash him. This was, this was just typical Rooney lack of fitness and sharpness. I mean... If Walker hadn't walked the ball, Walker, yeah, if Walker hadn't walked the ball into the net, you'd have had a good laugh at Rooney dallying on that ball. I mean, he's five yards out, just hit the ball, man, and he's trying to trap it. I guess he needs to concentrate really hard on these first touch, doesn't he? And uh, and he nearly, very nearly got caught out. In the end, it was uh, something of a comedy own goal. Contrast with Memphis, of course, whose first touch is fantastic. I mean, he, I mean, I'm not saying it's Berber esque, but it's not far off. The ball sticks to him. We'll see if he can pull off some uh, real Berber moves at some point. He's got every move under the sun. Like the the thing about his first touch is it's different to Berber's. Berber's was like his foot was made out of memory foam, which I think Mata has a bit of that as well. That kind of ability to pull the ball down out of the sky. But Memphis's first touch is like I don't know. It's like a like some YouTube freestyler or something whose first touch is just a, a repertoire of ridiculous skills. Yep. Yeah, I think we're going to see a few tricks um, in the the season ahead. He's definitely got the skills, hasn't he? And it just needs to just needs to add a bit to his all round game. And and I think that's really just a bit of game intelligence. I mean, for me, he does not look like a number ten uh, because he's just not going to dictate the 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 play in that kind of way. He just he just doesn't use the ball in the right way. That said, uh, he was so far up the field. He actually, in terms of average position, he was further upfield than Rooney today. So United just played a straight 4-4-2. For all that talk 
um, in in the summer of four two three one through the the tour, and would Van Hole play a four three three? No, it's an old fashioned four four two with Adidas three stripes down there. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's classic nineteen eighties stuff. Um, and Memphis was right up there with Rooney. I tell you, as a frenemy of the rank cast at Fino76 pointed out on Twitter, um, the shirt, the new shirt, is very popular amongst the much going populace. I mean, obviously, like new shirt day, there's the first day of the season, there's always a good number of uh, new shirts in, in Old Trafford. But my goodness me, it looked like two thirds of the ground were wearing one. It was a, a staggeringly noticeable change. The people of Manchester and their deep and passionate love for Adidas has not gone away in the uh, in the 20 years that they've not been sponsoring us or whatever it is. Rankcast brought to you by... <laughs> yeah, yeah. By, by no one. Yeah, well, no, exactly, yeah. <laughs> for now. <laughs> no logo here on Rankcast. Hey, listen, lads, get in touch. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, so other notable things about that, like the real positives, uh, fantastic performance from Damien. Shaw looked just really good and energetic. Uh, you know, he played so far up the pitch. He was like a second winger with with young, smalling, commanding and a leader. And the amount of times he's pointing out to the, the, the rest of the defensive unit, he, he was the guy organising everyone. What a change in smalling from red card against Manchester City. Proper, proper defender now. Schweinsteiger came on, looked good, if a little ponderous. We'll put that down to fitness. So lots and lots of things you can take out of this game, even if the performance was, you know, on that meh side uh, that are just... Yeah super positive and you can feel good about you know and I think that's good that there's definitely a few concerns though so concern number one is Rooney ever going to get sharp enough to lead the line because if that's Rooney for the rest of the season that's definitely not good yeah and, and you know and that's that's definitely a problem I'm not sure that as good as Blint got through the game that that he can't be got at I'm sure he can be got at uh, you know i, I think that's the first time I've ever seen him playing a flat back four so that's one and then the other one is the keeper because uh I'll tell you what if we're, we're going with Romero he did okay he did okay today he made three decent saves but but there's some goals in him definitely I wish I, I wish my default reaction to thinking about Romero being in goal for us is, was not to kind of chuckle because uh, it ain't going to be funny at some point you were talking before we started recording. You were talking about the one he palmed out to the penalty spot that Schweinsteiger cleared. And Mark from the Red Mancunian podcast, who met up with after the game, was saying it's not going to be long before there's an opposition player standing on that penalty spot, and uh, that that won't be good. Just check out YouTube for seriously. For don't show don't, There's a don't dozen. Do of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You won't sleep tonight if you do that. If you do, like, just have like some cute kittens Twitter feed open in a different window to kind of cleanse your soul afterwards because Romero's worst moments are, are bad. Uh, it was lovely to see that he got a really nice response from the kind of, because they came out first, the keepers, and, and there was not many in Old Trafford, but he got a big, big response from the people that were there and he was giving it the old thumbs up around the ground and that was nice. And then when he went, you know, to into his goal at each half. He got a, a big reception and a big wave. Uh, gave a big wave at the end of the game too. So that was, you know, that was nice. He obviously felt welcomed and, and that's good. But, you know, we can't... Sergio Romero, you, you can't... I mean, I can't even get the sentence out. You can't have Sergio Romero as your number one goalkeeper unless you've got an incredibly solid back four or a devastating attack because he's just not a fantastic goalkeeper. He's okay and... He's quite good at some stuff. He he made a fantastic case for being United's backup goalkeeper. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, and you know, that's good. Like, I'd rather he was our backup goalkeeper than Lindegaard, probably. I was even a little bit surprised that Sam Johnson, I, I, I think I predicted that Sam Johnson would start. I was a bit surprised that he didn't. Well, Van Hal broke his own philosophy. I mean, as Romero can't have much match rhythm. He didn't have any time in pre-season. So Johnson played the most of anyone. Van Gaal was asked about that in the in the press conference afterwards and said that it was uh, Wednesday when the staff had decided that um, and then Thursday when they told the hair and that was when um, what they discussed with the hair he said and that, that it was Thursday when Romero started training with the first team hmm. squad. So, so. so we spoke last week about Van Hal throwing Valdez under the bus. He pretty much threw Dave under the bus in his Friday presser. I mean, <laughs> he said so? the guy's not in the right. Well, he said he said he's not in the right frame of mind. You expect a player to be able to uh, cope with this. He can't cope with this. We can't play, and we don't want this. We, we we want to be able to get the best price for our player. Basically, I mean, it's not as hard as he was on Valdez, but he's basically saying that the guy cannot be trusted to focus on the game. Which is pretty damning. I guess so, but he didn't say you... He said... I think he said he said he would expect De Gea to be able to handle it, but I think he said you can't expect De Gea to be able to handle it, which, which is a kind of softer, more more human thing than he did to Valdez, which is basically saying he's a scumbag and I want him out. L- lovely shot of uh, De Gea, Valdez and Lindegaard all sitting in a row. <laughs> De Gea looked like pretty comfortable and relaxed uh, in his suit as he was walking into his seat. Um, yeah, Valdez couldn't even be bothered to wear a club suit. <laughs> Can you blame him, honestly? <laughs> like, from the rumours of stuff going around, Van Gaal making it, moving Valdez's training stuff into the under-21s training room and all that kind of malarkey. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if he threw De Gea under the bus so much as he's just... You ask Van Gaal a question, and if it's a question he can answer, he'll just tell you what he really thinks, and... I don't think it's unreasonable for De Gea to be kind of freaked out and uncomfortable by the overall situation and not sure of whether he's coming or going. And I guess he would have wanted the situation to be sorted long before now. It's interesting because um, the Woodward and the club received a lot of praise for the kind of playing hardball line until the story came out that, it, that De Gea wasn't going to play and the kind of mood completely turned on the club. Like, oh, I should have sorted this out this months ago. And mm. I'm sure if you kind of go through the same thing that those, that go for those same people saying that, and you'll find a lot of people that were glad that Woodward was playing hardball at the time. This is this is part of the consequence of hardball, right? Well, well, I guess it is, yeah. But, but also, we've seen this with other players. I mean, Luis Suarez in Liverpool a couple of seasons ago, where the player buckled down and had a fantastic season. So I guess that's what we were expecting from from Dave. And it just feels like he's been a little unprofessional if he can't pull it together. Or maybe it's just Van Hull and he's, you know, he's... He's he's kind of so so much of a micromanager that he's uh, he's he's you know he he wants a hundred percent focus even if he's got a a worse keeper between the sticks. The reason why the mood has turned though is because the scenario now is that United are backed into a corner. They're either going to keep a player who's unhappy and can't play uh, for the next year and then lose him on a free next summer, or they've told Real Madrid that they've got a player who's unhappy and doesn't want to play. And that is not a very good negotiating position, I'm afraid. You know, there's only one buyer here and we're going there saying we want as much money as possible. I'm afraid the only one buyer will go, no. I mean, when Van Gaal was asked basically that question in slightly less direct terms, he said De Gea can definitely play come when the end of the transfer windows happened. 
you know, that was basically what he said, that if he's still here, then he'll definitely be back in the first team plan sort of thing. But does that make any logical sense, right? The guy is not ready to play, right? This is what we've been told. He's not mentally uh, right to play. So are we saying once the opportunity for him to go to Real Madrid is closed off, finally, unless Real Madrid pull out the money that United are asking, apparently 40 million euros, then he's suddenly going to go, yeah, all right, then, well, I'm here for another year. Or is he going to sulk a bit more? Well, it's interesting, but to quote Van Gaal yet again, what Van Gaal said was what you'd said about him kind of being a micromanager, that he said he specifically called out the fact that it was the goalkeeping position. And he said, of all the positions on the pitch, the goalkeeper is the one who requires the most focus. He's got to be fully focused for the whole game. And so that could kind of explain why he's taken that somewhat dramatic step now and he would bring De Gea back into the lineup. It's not necessarily that De Gea is sulking, it's just that he's a bit distracted. Either way, either way, it's it's not it's not a great position for United, you know. No, if he, if not he gets at all, sold no, no. in the next 3 weeks, United have to to uh, buy another keeper. I mean, I, I suspect that uh, the club are doing what they did with Daily Blint last season and uh, a deal will be done at the, you know, the 11th hour for Jesper Sillison if needed, right? He's the obvious one and Ajax out of Europe, so he's not cup-tied. That's what's going to happen if, if De Gea is sold or we'll, we'll, uh, we'll gamble on De Gea's focus coming back after September the 1st or hope that Romero suddenly becomes a world-class keeper that he hasn't <laughs> proven to be at his last two clubs. No, I mean, that, that's, that one's not going to happen, is it? Like, you know, he's... He's just not that good. He's just not that good. He's not terrible. He's not a disaster, but he, he, he's not reliable. Um, I want to just go back uh, to rewind like five minutes and just say one last thing about the positives. You mentioned Schweinsteiger coming on and he definitely didn't look fully at the races fitness wise. Van Gaal saying he came back off his holidays and that was that was why he wasn't starting. Um, but... The leadership thing was just hilarious. It was just hilarious. He just immediately, seconds after coming on, he's starting to tell people where they're supposed to stand and what they're supposed to do with the ball. Absolutely beautiful to watch. You could see him all kind of looking around going, not used to this. Michael Carrick doesn't do this. It was was really cool. It was also cool to see Schweinsteiger warming up with McNair and Pereira before the game, doing training drills and kind of chatting with them. And this whole notion that he's just going to be a super useful player to have around off off the pitch. Um, I do hope that he can find a, a good level of fitness for a good period of the season. Cause, I'm, I'm sure he will. I'm sure yeah. he will. Yeah. This this is not a Michael Owen situation where he's barely going to play a game and uh, supposedly he's a good influence. Although I, I'm rather dubious about that claim of Ferguson's before. Um, <laughs> he literally just meant by that I, he's a good influence on me because I like talking to him about horses. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it, isn't it? Yeah. No, I, I think Schweinsteiger will be fantastic around the club. I mean, it's not like this United side's inexperienced, though, I've got to say, but that lack of leadership has shown. I mean, Rooney's leadership style got better through the season. It got better because he stopped trying to do any leadership uh, because when he tries to lead, he screams at people in their faces, which is exactly what Schweinsteiger is not going to do. So, you know, proper captain there. Rooney may have the armband, but we know who the leader is in the dressing room now. And and uh, that's great. I think that's fantastic. But actually, you know, you look at United's squad or the team today and there's a couple of young guys in there. So Shaw and that's it, right? Memphis. Uh, Shaw yeah, and Memphis. And 
Sure, Memphis are the younger guys, and and then everyone else is over twenty five. So, um, you know, plays it at their peak or just past it. So, not not a young side. A few kids around the bench. Pereira and McNair are on the bench, but this is an experienced side, and it kind of closes off some of the excuses, doesn't it? You know, Van Hull's got players for almost every position he wants, except for the three key ones down the spine of the team. Just, just that minor problem. Uh, they're in a good age. They're experienced, uh, and you know this is uh, this is Van Hal's moment now. He, he's uh, he's got to build a team that uh, has some real momentum, and it, it looks like from today they've got some. Right? I think that was important just for that. Yeah. Um. A word about Under Herrera. I don't know when it's going to happen, but at some point he's just going to be picked every game. It has to happen. It has to happen. United's. You know, use of the ball. I mean, Van Gaal called it out after the game, said we didn't use the ball very well. United's use of the ball, the tempo of the passing, the range, direction and creativity of the passing will all be better with Herrera in the team. And I don't really care if it's Young, Matter or Depay that drops out. One of them, right? They, those three can shift around. But one of them has to go and Herrera has to come into the team. It's, it's just obvious that that has to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And talking of Herrera, Juan Mata... You mentioned that he played really deep, which was not ideal in terms of our possession. But he put in a heck of a shift. Like, he really, really worked down that right-hand side. Like, fully. Well, and he definitely had to when Valencia oh came on. Gosh. Valencia had 10 minutes and in 10 minutes, uh, <laughs> touched the ball six times. And I, I would say there were probably six errors in that as well. I mean, he, he gave such a brilliant demonstration of why he should not be at right back. Anyway, <laughs> it was funny, uh, I digress. Was, I mean, it was. Wan Mata did a fantastic job covering for him in those last it 10 nearly, minutes. It nearly, nearly really wasn't funny at all. But in retrospect, it was funny um, how the whole team crumbled when Darmi... It's not, your right back isn't supposed to be the kind of pivot on what on which the whole team is built. But as soon as like everything was totally ruined, the second he what Valencia for Damien. Squeaky bum time immediately, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. It really, really was. But all in all, huge to get the win. The first question Van Gaal was asked at his press conference was by someone saying, uh, what did you think of the performance of Van Gaal kind of turned on him and said, ah, why are you not asking me about the result? And then cracked a smile and went, I know why you're not asking me about the result. You are right. We were lucky. (laughs) So he kind of acknowledged it, which is good because... You know, last season when we played against Chelsea and he kind of said that was the best performance of the season and all that that stuff. I think that was the last thing we, we all needed to hear today, that Van Gaal was somehow kind of happy with that as the final product. Right, right. That had been a bit moisier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So there was that. Pochettino claimed that Spurs dominated the match and should have won. Mm, he, he did. I, it was a slightly... Odd claim, I thought. He also made reference to the fact that his team were a lot fitter than United and pulled a kind of slightly pleased with himself grin, but then straightened his face immediately and said, uh, no, uh, of course, the result is the only thing that matters. Yeah, I'm not sure that Spurs were fitter. I mean, they came strong in the last 10 minutes, but I wonder whether that was just United closing in and uh, a kind of mental shift rather than a fitness shift. Spurs only had three games in pre-season. They had a, a couple of games at the end of last season went on tour to Sydney and Melbourne which is kind of weird or, or wherever it was somewhere in Australia anyway uh, and then only had three in pre-season they, they played the MLS All-Stars in which they were beaten 
by a Gerard and Lampard-less All-Stars team. And then they played a couple <laughs> of uh, times in Germany this week against uh, Real Madrid and AC Milan and lost 1-1-1. Yeah, they definitely didn't dominate that game. Uh, I don't know what the numbers are chance-wise. Yeah, 10-9 United, 50-50 possession. I mean, it depends who's counting, really. But um, yeah. definitely didn't dominate. And, and as I said, United um, had the ball in the right areas. Spurs didn't. So a lot of Spurs possession in the wrong part of the pitch. So, no. But, you know, they... You can't say they didn't almost deserve something out of the game, oh, right? I mean, Ericsson most certainly should have scored and that that would have changed the game quite a bit. I was thinking at the end of the game, I was thinking if they scored now, I'd feel United are a little bit hard done by, but not really hard done by. You can't sort of say that. I mean, United could well have been punished for not getting a second, which you, they really, really should have done something to crack open that door and get a second so it wasn't the way it was in the last few minutes. Uh, Alderweireld looks very good, putting an amazing cross right down at the end of the game. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a very good player. Spurs did well to um, uh, usurp Southampton's already agreed contract with Atletico Madrid. Not exactly morally correct from Spurs, but there you go, yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you what, I'll tell you what my lessons are from this game, right? I, aside from the goalkeeper situation, which we can't fix right now, Let's hope Marcus Rocco gets fit quickly. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Uh, we need Ander in the side. Yeah. And I would most definitely swap around uh, Mata and Memphis. Yeah. Uh, probably, you know, I'd just it Mata in the hole and Memphis wide left and, and um, or, or young right. Or, or I drop one of them and Ander comes yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. You have Mata on the right, Memphis on the left, Ander in at 10. And then you've got... Oh, that sounds good. Just talking about that gets me kind of jazzed up and excited. That's... I almost had 12 players in. So. <laughs> but that's another strategy. <laughs> yeah, that... Anyone thought about that one? That would defo work. Defo. Um, I had a super fun day, Ed. I got to sit in the press box and go to the conference and stuff. Lou Van Gaal sang a song, which was kind of ideal. Yeah, he's 64. Hasn't he got to retire or something? Uh, he said, it was kind of slightly telling, he said, every lyric of that song is my dream. So it's like he just wants someone to take care of him and to get to hang out with his grandkids in a cottage on the Isle of Wight, apparently. So I'm pretty sure he's not going to be signing a contract extension, even if he wins the Champions League next season. Yeah, I, I think the wife is demanding they move to their castle in Portugal. <laughs> yes, so, not the Isle of Wight, yeah. the Algarve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Algarve, <laughs> Isle of Wight, kind of similar. <laughs> the Casa de... Get one over Cumin or whatever it's called. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So that was that was it was a nice moment. It was a pretty exciting day for me. Very good, very good. So we we said we'd we'd talk about Spurs. We've done that. A good victory for United. Yeah. We said we'd talk about transfers. I mean, it's obvious what United need, isn't it? It's obvious what we need. What is far from obvious is whether we're going to get it and in what form and whether there'll be a surprise left in the next couple of weeks because. You know, I'd be surprised by a surprise. That's the fundamental nature of a surprise. But it wouldn't be a massive shock if we pull off a huge transfer between now and the end of the season, given what happened last season, given the fact that Di Maria's left. I guess, are we still thinking Pedro's coming? Is that still the good word on the street? Yep. The word seems to be that they're negotiating a fee. What (laughs) What are they doing? It seems ridiculous to me that they're trying to negotiate a fee. I don't understand why... You know, it's five million euros or whatever is what we're talking about. It's like these stories saying his buyout clause is 22 million. The club only value him at 17 million because of resale value. What? 
what are they talking about? Like, resale value. We just give our players away when we're finished with them as a kind of act of generosity to the players' service or whatever. I, I know. It's really funny Van Hal was talking about that, saying we've bought a lot of players for a lot of money and we sold them for not much money. Uh, so we have to sell De Gea for a lot of money, <laughs> basically saying he's a, he's a player of the year twice. Yeah, uh, like, you know, we've set the pattern here. I mean, he's he's got a buyout clause, but buyout clauses in Spain are not really buyout clauses because if you actually activate the buyout clause, you pay a ton of tax. So yeah. um, it's cheaper for them to um, either bring in their imposters and do the <laughs> Ander Herrera style deal or uh, or actually pay what Barcelona want, which is more than the £22 million. Pounds. Right, I see. I didn't realise that Barcelona were asking for more than that. That makes sense then in that case. Talking of transfers... The squad numbers have been announced and yeah. it looks like appropriately United have retired the number two jersey in memory of the greatest number two of our times, Rafael da Silva. <laughs> Not the best, you know, in terms of contribution on the pitch, I think it's fair to say, but... He was a he was a spiritual successor to Gary Neville, if not a footballing successor to Gary Neville, and it is definitely a bit sad that he's left. It is, it is. I'm surprised they didn't give Damien the number two, and Shaw didn't get number three either, even though he moved numbers. Because Shaw was number three last season, wasn't he? Or have I made that up? Yeah, he was. Yeah, and now he's twenty three. But I don't think that's him not having three. I think that's him taking a shirt number he likes, and I suspect Damien probably stuck with thirty six out of choice as well. I would imagine. I, I see. I don't like this. So. <laughs> Maybe I'm just an old fogey. I want it to be one to 11, your best players. Yeah. And then you go up from 11 to your worst player, who's number 50. Well, number seven was the lowest outfield number on the pitch today. Um, and it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. The only, the only, in fact, not just the lowest outfield player on the pitch, right? The lowest numbered player on the pitch, full stop, because uh, Romero's number 20. So that's, yeah, it's, a, it's tough for you, I know. It, they begin to look like a tactics board, you know, it's a telephone number they've got <laughs> on their back. I like it, I like squad numbers, I think it's, I like the kind of associations that come. What they really should have is their transfer fee and wages on the back, because that's all <laughs> everyone talks about anyway. Uh, Memphis has gone for Memphis 7, which, like, you know, listen, the number 7 shirt is... It's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's uh, the number seven shirt's taken a bit of a battering in recent times, but Memphis seven could bring it back, couldn't it? That could bring it back big time. Let's hope so, because Owen and Valencia sullied it and then Di Maria disrespected it. Yes. Yeah, he's gone. He hadn't gone by the time we last recorded a podcast. He has he has gone, yeah, and Van Hal talked about how much United will miss him, and, yeah. they, and they will. And, and I know people don't, they don't kind of buy that. They go, oh, well, he has had such a bad season. I mean... The only player into double figures with the CSC creates a lot of chances per game. I mean, I talked earlier about Ashley Young. Not he doesn't create. He doesn't. He just does not put up the big numbers. So people, uh, I think, generally in praise of his performance today, just catching the general vibe. But he failed in six out of six take-ons. He created one chance, and that was his one key pass as well. Um, his past completion was in the mid-70s. You know, he, his numbers all look bad, right? So, whereas Di Maria, you can kind of guess what his, his game would have been. It would have been low past completion, created four chances, got two assists and scored a goal or something, right? Well, that's you know? pretty optimistic. And, and that's given why United... That's pretty optimistic, season. but that's why United will miss him. I mean, yeah, United definitely will miss him and Di Maria is definitely fundamentally a better footballer than Ashley Young. But, you know, the thing about Di Maria is it's discussed 
at polar opposites. There are people that think, oh, Van Gaal just ruined him and wasted him. And there are people that think he's a cowardly snake who doesn't have any bottle. It's like the uh, accusation that Di Maria doesn't have any bottle is very poorly informed, I would say, just because he's a player that's demonstrated quite a lot of bottle throughout his career. Like he was booed to the high ceilings at the Bernabeu and then he kind of fought his way back to being this beloved figure in that club. And I sort of thought that was what was going to happen here. And, you know, it's the, the, it just was a terrible match, wasn't it? Van Gaal, Manchester, Di Maria, it was just not a, just didn't work. Yeah, I guess so. I I mean, I would have agreed with you more, but for what happened in the summer. And and so I I think my, my feelings about him, you know, non-emotional particularly because I, I don't find I was ever invested in him. But my feelings are weighed towards the Di Maria did not give all that he needed to. And I don't mean that in a kind of cliched no, way I of agree. Out trying hard on the pitch or something like that. So there was just too much of the touch of unprofessionalism about what he did. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that, by the way. I'm not I'm not saying that he should be absolved of responsibility whatsoever. But I, I totally agree about the unprofessionalism thing. Anyway. Anyway, shall, shall we move on? Shall we? Have, do we have any Twitter questions this week? Anyone want to ask us a question that is not related to Taylor Swift? <laughs> what is it about the songs we play at the end of this podcast, Ed? You you said on Twitter this week, two hundred and thirty four episodes. Easily the most feedback we've got in total over that time is not about anything to do with football whatsoever. It's just about the song we pick at the end of the show. Who's healthier, asks at Phil Mahone, Phil Jones or Mr. Burns? <laughs> Just about Phil Jones, but it's uh, it's getting yeah, closer. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you have to do with Phil Jones. I would send him uh, to a nuclear plant if that would fix him, you know? Maybe a bit of kind of morphed DNA would help. Uh, we've kind of addressed this, but Anukal R says, how do we solve the issue of playing under Herrera? And I think there are really two options, aren't there? There are to go to an authentic 4-3-3 where you play Memphis, Rooney and Yanazai Pereira, one of those, maybe even, or Mata as, as wide right. And then you play Herrera, Schneiderlin and Schweinsteiger or Carrick, presumably, in the middle. And that seems like it would work. Or you play a 4-2-3-1 with Herrera at 10. Memphis on the left, they they kind of sound like similar options, but Herrera's a box-to-box midfielder, isn't he? He can play 10 very well, but he can also, he also has like, he puts up hell of defensive numbers when he plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the herrera matter combination uh, sort of on the right side of matter as an inside forward, Herrera as the right side of three in the middle would work very well. I don't see Van Gaal ever playing with a natural number 10. He just hasn't ever, right? So well, he kind of did with Holland, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, but n- not for United. Oh, know, I see. At what you're no saying, point sorry. has it actually happened. Just, just in those first uh, few weeks when it was all terrible, he he played Rooney there for a bit, and he played Mata there for a bit when Rooney was injured. But not really. He kind of gave up on it as soon as Rooney got injured. Really, right? Yeah, Mata didn't play at ten very often, and and he's really the you know the one natural number ten. Rooney certainly isn't doesn't doesn't play like a classic. Uh, number 10 at all. So anyway, that's, that's a way of getting Ander in the side. Uh, I think he just has to be in there. I mean, he just has to be in there for just for the balance of the side, to use 
Van Hal's, Hal's terminology. You know, he, he's the guy who's going to move the ball around quickly and up United's tempo. Otherwise, it's slow, slow, slow. And we know this from last season as well, don't we? We know the difference that Herrera being on the pitch makes to the, the whole flow of the game for United. Um, <laughs> at SIMBV says, do you think Carl Walker was a surprise striker? Yeah, nice finish. Yeah, a lovely finish. So unnecessary as well. Van Gaal said uh, the chance was created through pressure. They gave the ball away once through pressure and then they kicked the ball into their own goal through pressure. There was no pressure on Kyle Walker whatsoever. None. Uh, I guess... Mata did very well to win the ball. Smart pass to Young and Young's putting a decent ball into Rooney, right? Rooney has then, you know, adopted super slow-mo mode on the iPhone uh, as he's tried to... (laughs) Touch the yeah, take take the ball in stride and and put it in and Carl Walker just did not need to do that. I mean, he, pro- he probably could have taken a couple of days, got <laughs> Rooney's autograph, and then tackled him. I, I do think Rooney was quite close to striking the ball with his right foot at some point in the next few seconds. But yeah, anyway, it, it, Walker would definitely have been better giving Rooney a chance to miss there. At Rigel V says, which creative players do you think we can pick up from the market? Van Gaal talked about needing to replace De Gea, basically. So Pedro is not a De Gea replacement. Like Pedro's never had double figures of assists in the league season. Uh, he's never cracked the top five, I don't think, of Barcelona's uh, key pass generators across the season. I looked all this up the other day. So, you know... Pedro is a goal scorer. Like that's yeah, that's he's what an he inside does forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he is not the kind of creativity answer, although he will generate goals and he will add another dimension to our attack. And certainly then you could switch to a four three three. Probably bad news for Juan Mata that, but anyway. But yeah, who who's who is there? Who are we gonna buy, Ed, that's uh amazing Galactico creative midfielder? I'm not sure I have an answer for you. I mean, you know, D, D- Maria solves all those problems. <laughs> if only he wanted to play for us, that would be so ideal. A moment ago you said replace De Gea. Um, oh did I? Sorry. You can play him on the wing. I mean he strikes the ball <laughs> yeah. nicely. And you don't he doesn't need as much focus and, and concentration, so he, he could probably play there even though his head's gone. So so I um I think, you know, you asked me that exact same question at the end of last season, didn't you? And we had a few stupid guesses about who United would buy, and I think I said Felipe Anderson at the time. Right, right. And right. and he would still be a fine purchase, you know. And and I think you can get Jay at Data Rant Jay who writes some of the data articles on the United Red made a very good argument for not buying another striker and buying a right winger as a you know a kind of pseudo way of upping United's goal scoring chances and and Felipe Anderson would fit into that. I don't think there's an obvious one. I think Pedro will end up at United and he's an inside forward. It'll be interesting to see if Van Gaal plays with two inside forwards in in Memphis and Pedro supporting Rooney um or whether he can keep Matter yeah, in the side. Absolutely. The the market, I don't know, would be quite good if we could buy Gareth Bale, but that doesn't seem that likely. Not going to happen. No. <laughs> so many questions about Antonio Valencia. At Nick Gilbert 86 says, Can Valencia's lack of positional awareness be addressed through training? The dip when he replaced Darmian was scary. It was scary, and I don't think it can. I feel like... Surely the training on that sort of level has to happen from when you're quite young. It's, it's got to be quite hard to totally learn a new position. Like Valencia was not terrible at right back for all of last season, but 
He's just not a proper right back, is he? I'm not sure what a proper he is. He's not a proper winger either. He, he doesn't like to put in a cross and doesn't like to take anyone on. Do you remember that game we went to together? I think it was Newcastle. No, it wasn't Newcastle. I can't remember who it was, but he played as part of the midfield three in a 3-5-2 and just like knocked a ball inside over and over again. It was really effective and good. He's all right when he does that, he passes it five yards sidewards. I'll tell you who would fit United, a kind of attacking creative player, Koke from Atletico Madrid. That would be a very good for United's balance. Sorry, just popped into my head right while I was thinking about it. Not a winger, but a kind of creative attacking player. Yeah. Then you've got to try and fit him in the side somewhere. That's all right. You play like five creative attacking players <laughs> behind a static forward. <laughs> yeah. Poor old Rooney. I, I mean, seriously, like, I don't know. I This is the season. Rooney's got a very, very big season ahead of him because I don't think Van Gaal is just going to accept total mediocrity from, from Rooney for the whole season. He's, I just don't think it's... Are we sure? No, no, we're not sure. But, you know, he just... He ditched Van Persie, didn't he? Without too much of a flicker of emotion. I suppose Rooney's ties with the club run... Well, not I don't suppose. I know Rooney's ties with the club hierarchy and structure run deep. And you wonder if Van Gaal and Rooney got into it, who would end up winning that fight, you know? Yeah, I mean... I mean, sure, sure. I mean, Shearer had that at Newcastle for years. The problem is the player's power diminishes yeah. as he's less effective you know and it's three yeah. years since Rooney's been properly effective friend of the rank cast Mary says do you think Van Gaal really believes that our central defensive options are good enough to win leagues and cups no he wants to know he in fact I, I'm sure of this I'm sure he doesn't it's part of the reason why we've got the slightly oddball structure at the moment is because he doesn't trust his defenders so he's sitting two defensive players in front of his back four at the moment he played straight four four two, which of course gives him twitchy bum or whatever he called it um, but he's got two defensive players in front just to just to lock that that down a little bit. Um, Still didn't quite work, you know. Only just worked. At the underscore broomhead says, "Will Depay make a better number seven than Bebe?" Oh, what a great old throwback to the fact that it was at the the underscore broomhead who won the classic rank cast giveaway, the best thing we've ever given away, which was a Bebe seven shirt. Bebe shirt. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Another one that's just sprung to my mind. Now, he, he, this, this would be a very good purchase, as I'm definitely not going to have him. Kevin De Bruyne, who puts up awesome numbers. I, I don't know whether you, you saw much of him last season. It's not just that he's grown as a player, but his numbers are fantastic. I think he got in the 20s in, in assists or something like that in the Bundesliga last season. So I'm just going to intersperse this podcast with like random creative attacking players that we could buy now. <laughs> Maybe. That'd be good. All right, so on to a subject that we I, I feel I can speak somewhat definitively about now after all this football talk. <laughs> At Stu underscore 1512 says, do you think Blind is in danger of going from best to worst hair in one fell top knot? He was playing up against Chadley and there was like two top knots up against each other for quite a lot of that game and then some sort of samurai style clash of top knots. Listen, I'm far too old to judge young play- young people for their hairstyles. If he wants to do that, good luck to him. But uh, the long flowing locks, I miss him. Uh, at DG Ched says, what aspect of the way we played was different to last season? Well, I think that's an interesting question. And I think the very clear and obvious answer to that is defensive organisation. It's just an absolute world apart from where we started last season. That's that's kind of just it's just look, they look like a totally different team. 
defensively. Well, they are mostly a couple of the same players in there, but different structures, different midfielders ahead of them. Schneiderlin in there is going to make a big, big difference across the course of the season. It's amazing to watch him. Like He's so used to Carrick, and, and for all Carrick's amazing qualities, of which there are plenty, it is nice to have a midfielder just like look at an attacker and go, right, I'm going to clatter into you with a massive charging tackle now. Good luck. Yeah, no, it's good to see. And then, is, yeah, as we spoke about, it's, it's definitely going to be a big influence on United's season. Yes. All right. Now, big question. Will, will Schweinsteiger play against Aston Villa? It's coming up. I bet he'll come on as a sub again. I wouldn't be surprised to see exactly the same eleven that started that game. We'll know in advance, of course, because Van Gaal always kindly tells us what he's thinking in that regard in his press conferences. But, yeah, it's a Friday Night Lights game. But this is not the new Premier League Friday night games, which comes in from next season. But uh, there is an EDL march in Birmingham, sadly, on the Saturday. Uh, so the Westminster police asked them to move this game to Friday night because they couldn't move it to Sunday because of United's European game. Will Carl Chandler be uh, coming to the game? I, I wish he was. It'd be nice to see Connie Britton too. And, you know, it's nice that we've kind of got a Tim Riggins-esque player in in midfield now because uh, we've we've needed one for a long time. Friday Night's Lights references aside, Villa won today, right? They did. Actually, I, I, I managed to watch the game. Um, were, were they good? It's, it's a good result for them. Cause I, I, they were not bad, actually. I, I thought mean, Bournemouth would win that, I have to yeah, say. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, this, you know, the romantic choice, right? Bournemouth winning that one. They, Villa were not bad. They controlled a lot of the game. Uh, scored a fine goal from a corner. I mean, if you can score a fine goal from a corner... Um, yeah, you can ask Paul Scholes. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, headed goal and this from about five yards out, but still, still, okay, you know, right, decent right, goal right. from a corner. Um, Control much of the game, looked pretty comfortable by the end. So I, I thought they were pretty good. Look in decent shape. I mean, they've obviously got a striker problem now. They've lost Benteke. Haven't really brought anyone in, but well, except for Rudy Gisted, who who scored the goal. So they look okay. They looked organised. There's a good shape about them. They haven't got a lot of tools in that locker I don't think they're going to cause United loads of problems but but there you go they, they start the season all right they've had a pretty tumultuous summer a villa no more tumultuous story in the whole transfer window as far as I'm concerned than the peculiar activity of Fabian Delph oh dear I mean that was such an odd one he, he was in Manchester apparently had his medical literally came home decided, you know, City, I think, had said they didn't, they kind of announced that they were going to sign him. And then he said, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm looking forward to the season ahead with Aston Villa. And then a week later, he was gone. Uh, I, I definitely think that Villa fans will hate Delph more than United fans hate Di Maria. Yeah, it was not good. I mean, you know, he was a hero for a second, wasn't he? Because he, he turned down the big bucks and the place on the bench. Uh, and uh, the, you know, you, you might as well call him Fabian Homecrime. <laughs> Uh, because, Do you think so, though? Because <laughs> I think he's actually quite good. He, he is quite good, but and, and he will get some games at, at City, if only because their central midfield wasn't very effective last season, right? So they've they've lost Lampard. They had to replace the Englishness. Uh, I mean, the, the extra body in midfield. And Fernandinho was not good, right? So, and, and actually, Yaya Torre had a poor season. I always told you he's average. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Proven right five years on. Yeah. Um, so I think he'll get some games because of that. Uh, of course, Milner went as well. So there's there's space in City's squad and, and he should get more than a Jack Rodwell. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and yeah, he's, he's a better player, I think. 
he, he was so important for Villa last season and keeping them up. But yeah. And of course they lost Benteke as well. He's gone to Liverpool. A lot of money, I suppose, for a player who's had a few cold spells in his career. But I don't know where you stand on the Benteke thing. I, I've always been of the view that Christian Benteke is very good at football. And that's actually, although you could say the price is not right, in terms of what Liverpool need, isn't that good? Isn't it? Isn't it a good signing for them? Am I wrong about that? He's very good at football sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And that's the big problem. That's why thirty-two million pounds looks a lot of money. It, he can score some fantastic goals. He's a great big unit. <laughs> Awful way of describing him, but you know he's he is a physical presence. He's he is technically very good. He's got all the things that should make up a great number nine. But he doesn't always put it together. And, and that's just the reason why a lot of clubs were going 32 million is too much. Liverpool desperately wanted a striker, even though they've got like 15 of them. <laughs> um, none of them any good, of course. Um, and, and so they paid the money. I mean, maybe they can just balance it out because they got Danny Ings on a free, basically free, right? So um, And so maybe they feel about that maybe someone will take Balotelli and Barini will be sold so they can balance the books like that but it's a bit of a gamble and Lambert's already gone hasn't he to West Brom but yeah back to Villa Micah Richards signed for them that's a good signing they were very disappointed not to get Tom Cleverley you know each to their own right someone's got to be disappointed I bet Tom Cleverley's mum thinks he's dead good harsh harsh Everton very poor today oh uh, were they yeah, interesting. I can't believe the central midfield axis of Gibson and Cleverly is not proving it. I don't I have no idea who they actually played today. But Tom Cleverly, not a bad footballer, as I've I maintained. But and Villa wanted to keep him, but they've not been able to. But they've brought in a lot of players, right? They seem to have bought the whole of League A, and uh, it started well for them. You would hope that. And the one really good thing about today, as I said earlier, was that defensive organisation and you think that's going to stand us in really good stead and it is going to be about whether we can put those attacking moves together to, to break Villa down. But I think it's I think we'll do okay away from home this season, even though we didn't last because we want teams that are coming on to us, right? Yeah, I, I you know, the, the only thing that United really need to change is just to play the same way, right? Just play exactly the same way at home and away. Yeah. Too much caution away from home last season and it really cost United so um, I think you know keep the ball be positive look for attacking opportunities let's get Herrera in the side he, he won't start against Villa but I think United will do all right cleverly did all right today by the way just as an aside uh, Ross Barkley was very good oh interesting he's quite a creative player isn't he he is he's just better when he doesn't think I think I think when um, uh, Martinez gives him a difficult role as in he's got to be tactically aware it's not good, so just give him a free role, and he's he's got uh, lots of skill. Yeah, we better not sign him if he's not a player who does well when he has time to think. Because yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure there will be lots of people who'd like him. He's in young English and scores spectacular goals. Very fine goal today. Now, I'm not sure he'd fit with Van Gaal's system. Okay, so I guess we better do some sort of prediction uh, for this one. Well, so my three-two prediction from last week didn't go very well. <laughs> No, I can't remember what I predicted. No idea. My, my my pet, but if you want to join the one pound bet club, it's just for fun. You can bet on that. <laughs> uh, it's uh, I actually do bet. <laughs> my one pound bet today was uh, Kane, Rooney, and Memphis to all score. Okay, so that didn't happen either. The, what I would like to know is, you did one pound bet club last season, right? Uh, did you finish ahead by the end of the season? Four, £4.50 up. So I bet £1 on every game. So United had 
40 something low 40s um yeah so four pounds well done that's good across the season um just makes me want a bit more (laughs) don't do it kids you'll be the 10 pound bet club next no 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 that's that's dangerous territory do you have to bet on what you say on the podcast or do you get to make up your bets no 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 i make up a bet i put it in the match preview that i do on united rant and I'll stick it on the One Pound Bet Club page. Yeah, maybe. I, I've never seen it. It's a post. Maybe I should make it a page. Yeah, I probably should. Yeah, so you can find it on a One Pound Bet Club page and I'll just track them through the season. It's just silly fun. Much like Fantasy League. Someone pointed out this week that um, my average performance in Fantasy League was somewhere around the two millionth mark. I think that's because I do my team for the first week and then just leave it. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a Rankcast League. Uh, you've always, you always do United Rant League, but there's a, a Rankcast League too. I don't know the code, otherwise I'd send it around because you can join as many leagues as you I like. think you have 15 max, but that's a lot of leagues. Isn't it? Anyway, um, I'll, I'll send you the code for the Rankcast League, Ed. It's called the... Super rank cast, great time, happy league, or something like that, uh, as you would expect. I set that up. I'll come in and Just... piss on those chairs. <laughs> Hi, Jim. Um, so we should make these predictions that we've been talking about for twenty minutes. Uh, I am going to predict a two-one win to United. Yeah, that's a that's a good shout. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with two-one as well. All right. Nice. Um, so the one thing we can all be entirely sure of is that the game will not finish two-one. Um, now, so uh, if you would like to get hold of us between now and next week's show, you can get me on Twitter at UTD Rantcast, get Ed at United Rant, get us both at facebook.com slash United Rant, read what Ed has to say on unitedrant.co.uk and read my stuff if you would like to on the Bleacher Report. We've uh, changed the name of the donate page to more accurately reflect its purpose. Basically, it's a virtual tip jar, which is a one of the things that podcasts sometimes do. So go to unitedrant.co.uk slash tip jar if you want to chuck us a tip for the podcast. And if you'd like to donate us your kidneys. Yeah, you don't have to. Or anything like that, you can do that but too. It's totally optional. We don't, we're not. Uh, no, will you have our solemn promise that at no point will United Rankcast be behind a kidney-based paywall? Maybe firstborn. <laughs> All right. We could start eating small children. Or not. That just got really unpleasant really quickly. Thanks, Ed. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to end the show now. That's not a good note. All right, here, to cheer you all up, here's a little bit of Louis. See you next week. Louis, your birthday today? 64. The Beatles said, uh, sorry. <laughs> 64, when I'm 64. <laughs> and when you hear uh, what they are singing, all my wishes are fulfilled.